Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to this uh, very special occasion, this baptismal service. Whether you are a family member or a friend of one of those getting baptized, thank you for coming to support and encourage them on this this special event for them. Uh, Welcome to those watching online as well. If you are unable to be here this evening, it's great to have you supporting us in that way as well. As a benefit of those who've never been to a, a baptismal service, I will explain shortly what exactly we're doing. So uh, just be patient and I'll let you know about that. But let's start our service by, by reading a psalm. Um, psalm 103 says this. It says, Praise the Lord my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Well, all the songs this evening have been chosen by those uh, getting baptised, and the first of those has been chosen by Ros Dodwell, uh, which is based on the psalm I've just read, Psalm 103, and it's, Bless the Lord, Oh, my soul. I'm afraid we can't uh, sing along yet, um, but do feel free to stand and hum along um, with your masks on and just focus on those words and the meaning of them. So let's stand and praise God together. Well, as I said before, if you're a visitor here this, this evening and um, you've never been to a baptismal service, you may wonder, uh, why do we do this? Um, particularly, why do we immerse somebody completely under the water? Well, there are three reasons um, why we think it's important to to be baptised. The first of those is because Jesus told us to do that. Before returning to to heaven, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And secondly, because Jesus himself did it. Um, he didn't really need to be baptised because uh, he was sinless. Um, so obviously he was setting us an example. And if he thought it was important for him to do it, then obviously it must be very important for us as well. And thirdly, the early church did it. When uh, the apostle Peter preached to the crowds on the day of Pentecost, and they realised they needed to be forgiven for all that he'd done, they asked, what shall we do? What should we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But what's the purpose or the meaning of baptism? You know, there's nothing magical about baptism. Uh, You don't become a Christian when you uh, go through the water. Well, baptism is a symbol of something that has already taken place in the, the heart of the one being Baptized, And it symbolizes two things. Um, first of all, it symbolizes that we are made clean, spiritually clean. Not on the outside, but on the inside. By forgiving us our sins, Jesus has made us clean. And secondly, we're given new life. Um, in the same way that Jesus died and rose again to life, we too die to our old way of living and rise to a new life with Jesus as our Lord. And that's why we baptise someone by complete immersion, because the going under the water represents the, the end or the death of the old life, and the coming up out of the water represents the beginning or resurrection to new life. So in a minute, uh, those uh, being baptised are going to share something of uh, uh, how they came to put their trust in Jesus Christ uh, for their salvation. Um, but uh, first, uh, let's pray and ask God's blessing on them and this service together. Father God, we do thank you for the special gift of baptism, and we thank you for its significance, for all that it symbolizes in the life of the believer, the dying to sin, and the end to our former way of life in which we lived for ourselves, and being raised with Jesus to a new life, a life of joy in the Spirit, a life in which we can know your forgiveness, a life in which we no longer need to fear death, because we have a great hope of eternal life with you in all your glory. So we thank you that it's by your grace that Ros, Sophie, Elizabeth and Cal have come this evening, ready to be obedient to the Lord Jesus and testify to their faith in him, ready to receive the blessing of the Holy Spirit. So we pray that you'd make very real to them this evening the experience they have already enjoyed 
for being united with Christ in his death and resurrection. And maybe a challenge to all of us here this evening, maybe for the first time, to respond to your invitation of life that you hold out to all. Or maybe to challenge us to recommit our lives to you. Be with us all, we pray, and may all that we do this evening bring you honour and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to give the chance for all the different people being baptised this evening to share their testimony. So I'm going to invite first of all Ros Dodwell to come up to, to the front. And I'm going to just ask a, a couple of questions about her uh, faith in, in Jesus Christ. So Ros, if you come up and um, you take uh, take that mic and speak into that, then people will be able to hear you. Yeah, you can take your, your mask off, it might, uh, might help. Um, Ros, let me ask you, on what basis do you believe that you have been saved? On what basis do you, you put your trust in Jesus? In reading the Bible and realising that Jesus died to save me. I know that I'm a sinner, but I need to be saved. It is something which, when we realise that, it does cause us an emotional reaction. Isn't it? So it's quite normal for, for tears to be shed at a time like this. Uh, it is a, it's a deep thing going on. No need to be sorry at all. Yeah. Uh, tell us, how long have you been a Christian? Well, that's a hard question to answer, really, because... Um, I've always believed in God and the Lord Jesus. Um, I grew up in, in the Church of England, and I was christened as a baby. Of course, you know, unless you've got really Christian godparents, um, I think mine were, but my parents always took us to church. And then my father, um, he went away for a, on a conference, and um, a friend of his said, would you come to church with me? And they went to a Baptist church. And my dad came back then and said, we're going to find a local Baptist church. And we found Long Crendon because we were living at Cheersley. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've always, I've always believed in God and I've always believed in Jesus. But it's only really that recently that it's been very important to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I realised that Jesus died to save me and I need to repent and be baptised at long last because I should have done it a long time ago. (laughs) It's never too late, it's never too late uh, for anybody else out here thinking the same. Um, So so you've had a tough couple of years uh, recently. Um, uh, How has that affected your faith and how has the Lord been there for you during that time? Yeah, life has been quite hard for the last few years. Um, I've got a wonderful family and friends that have supported me. But I know that there's more as well. And I started reading the Bible more and praying and verses would jump out the Bible at me. Like, repent and be baptized was one of them, obviously. I've been studying at, um, with um, Phil Moore, who I keep referring to. They used to come to this church, the Moore family, and he is now a minister in Wimbledon. Um, he leads a group of churches, and um, he's been doing a wonderful series all through COVID, um, every weekday morning, and he's been going through Acts recently, and the early church, that's, they became believers, and the first thing they did was to say sorry and, and be baptised. And um, I've realised, you know, that that's what I need to do, that God is there for me. Um, I've been lonely and lost at times and so sad, but God's been there for me. And it says in the Bible so many times, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And when I feel lonely and sad, I know God's there, even though I might be alone, he's there for me. Um, and so I think it's high time that I went through those waters of baptism. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for sharing that. Right, stay there. I'm going to pray for you. Got a verse for you, first of all. I know it's um, no, no, no need to be sorry at all. Um, it's just part of uh, God working in your heart. Um, this verse is from Psalm 18, verse two. It says, "The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold." Let's pray for us. 
Father God, we do thank you that you have been a rock and a refuge for for Roz during some tough times. Thank you that she's been able to hold on to that, that promise that you will never leave her nor forsake her. Thank you that in her loneliness you've been there for her. Thank you that you've convicted her for her sin and seen her need for repentance and turning to you in faith and obedience. And we thank you for her willingness to do that this evening. Thank you for bringing her to this point. We thank you for uh, the many years that she's been coming to this church, many years of faith, of walking with you, uh, that journey that she's been on. And we thank you that by, by your grace that she is saved. So bless her now. Be with her in the times ahead, we pray, uh, the ups and downs of life. We thank you that you will continue to be her refuge. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Ros. Bless you. Thank you. Uh, well, the next um, person to come and share that is me, Sophie, and uh, she's going to come and share it with us. So I'll leave it for you, Sophie, to, to do that. Thank you. Um, so I've been brought up in a loving Christian family, and I was very nurtured in my faith since the day I was born. <laughs> Um, with worship songs and prayer and Bible teaching. I watched my parents turn to God in prayer and rest on his strength countless times, and I'm very thankful to God for that and the testament that it was to me at such a young age. I used to love singing songs to Jesus, and I used to make them up, and I'm not sure that they made much sense, but they were from the heart, and I loved spending time with him because I knew that he loved me, and that was all I had ever known. When I was about eight or so, I struggled with panic attacks for a few years, um, especially at school. I had a childlike faith, and I always knew God was with me, and I turned to him often. One turning point for me was I remember sitting in a school church service and starting to feel really panicky. So I prayed to God, and suddenly I felt an overwhelming surge of joy and wanted to jump up and sing out loud. I didn't, as it was very quiet, but that was when I first experienced for myself that prayer really does make a difference and that God can turn any situation on its head. Um, I don't remember a lot of those years, but I do remember that I came out with more of an experience of who God was than I had before. When I moved to secondary school, I became aware that it was considered a lot more weird to be a Christian, and I was definitely very afraid to share my faith because I wanted to be liked by people. And I felt pretty isolated and quite bitter because I felt like no one really knew me. I'm very thankful that I had my church friends and friends from camps because that was a big encouragement to me in that time. Um, But this was also when I had to stop relying on my parents' faith and needed to put more effort into discovering my own faith and reading God's word and getting to know him better. And although I still prayed to God and I still sang songs, I didn't read his word except at church or camps. A few years ago, I started struggling with panic attacks again, but this time I also started doubting that God was really there for me. And for a while, I felt like maybe I was beyond being saved and that he'd just left me. That was definitely the worst I've ever felt, and I was completely desperate for him. This is when I realized that I needed Jesus. I needed a savior. If I didn't have Jesus, I had absolutely nothing. But if I had Jesus, there was nothing else I needed. I was afraid of the big questions of life and the unknown, which I had never been before. And when I started reading my Bible again, I felt like I was just getting to know God all over again. And I was kind of like, why on earth didn't I do this in the first place? So many of my questions were answered, and I didn't know as much as I thought I did about who Jesus was and what he did for me. Um, These are some of the verses that really encouraged me then and still encourage me now. Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. It was a relief to me that I don't have to do everything in my own strength. And I don't have to understand everything because he understands everything. And he knows me and I can trust him in that. Um, a couple of other verses were 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 to 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, 
I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And James 1, verse 2 and 3. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Jesus is constantly working in me, and he always will be. All these times were part of my journey in him, and part of the trail of his glory at work in me. When I was the most uncomfortable and weak was when I really sought God, and that was when he actually taught me the most. And every time I had a panic attack or just felt awful, I prayed to God, and each time he would bring me peace. Even if it was after a little while, he would always bring me peace by reminding me of who he was. After this repeating cycle many, many times, I finally saw and believed that he is faithful, even when I am unfaithful. That my sin, my doubts, and my fears don't change who God is. And we never need to try and save ourselves, because only Jesus can do that. Um, And I know that I've talked a lot about anxieties in this, but um, it's only a small part of my life, my anxieties. Um, But they are definitely the times that God has taught me the most and changed me the most and grown me the most. I wouldn't want to change what God's done in my life because without his intervention I would be drying my faith by now and I just needed something to push me to say that you need Jesus rather than you need to be comforted all the time. Um, I want to get baptised because I know that Jesus loves me. I know that he died for me and I'm completely forgiven. I want to grow in my faith. Jesus said believe and be baptised and I don't want to hide my faith in him. Um, Some prayer that I'd really appreciate is that I would continually grow in my faith, that God would continue to strengthen me and humble me when I get proud, and that I would be a light to the people around me, that others could also experience Jesus' love. Great. Sophie, thank you so much for sharing. Um, Lovely to hear a bit of your story and encouragement for everyone. Um, listening. It's been really good to get to know you over the last couple of years as well um, at Rara um, and different times and just got a verse to share with you. We looked at 1 Peter um, a few weeks ago um, back in Rara. So 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 um, says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So let me pray for Sophie. Father God, thank you so much that you have called Sophie out of darkness um, into your wonderful light. Father, thank you for the saving work that you've done in her heart. Um, Father, thank you for the fact that she knew Jesus for a long time, um, but over many times and and challenges and trials, you have been revealing yourself to her more and more. Um, And Father, thank you that it's been in those um, those dark and, and tough times that she has got to trust you, Um, to see your faithfulness and see your love for her. Um, And I pray that she would know that that will never change. Um, Father, please um, help Sophie to continue to grow in her faith. Um, We pray for her as she heads to Cape and Ray Bible School in September. We pray that she would learn loads about you there, that she would grow in her knowledge and love of you. And Father, I pray that you would give Sophie a a greater desire to, to declare your praises. Thank you that she wants others to know about Jesus as well. Um, Thank you that she wants her her friends to see the same love that you have for them. Um, So please, Lord, in the way that she speaks, in the way that she acts, um, would you give her opportunities to declare her faith um, that others might see you too. So, Father, we thank you for this special time. Thank you for all that you've done in and through Sophie. Um, And please encourage her um, and keep her close to you. Um, In Jesus' name, amen. Please take a seat, and uh, it's Elizabeth's turn now to come and share her testimony. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thanks for choosing that one. That was one of my favourite songs as well. (laughs) Um, Hi, I'm Elizabeth. I've just finished year 13, and I'm awaiting my A-level results in August. Growing up in a Christian family, I was always surrounded by the message of the Bible, but couldn't really apply what I knew to everyday life. We moved to Longcrendon when I was four and have been coming to LCBC ever since. Throughout school, I enjoyed going to the various youth groups here and these fostered my Christian faith and friendships. I loved the annual holiday clubs run by LCBC 
and returned to help from year nine onwards, where I was able to share my faith with others and build my confidence. At school, however, I was pretty quiet about the fact that I went to church, as it was much easier to avoid discussions about religion than to talk about my beliefs. I trusted in God as my Lord and Saviour, but wasn't living my life out truly for him. As I entered my teens, there was never any pressure from my parents to attend church or youth groups, which allowed me to make my own decisions regarding what I believe. I chose to become more involved in church and attended Cape for the first time. This is where my faith really began to become personal. I went to the Connect holiday camps for three years with several friends and was amazed by the sense of community there, as well as the fun we had. In the worship and Bible teaching, I learned how to apply my knowledge to everyday life and became really excited about what life as a Christian could bring. On the last afternoon of each, of each holiday, either individually or with friends, we would sit quietly and think and pray about what we'd learned. This helped me develop more personal and closer relationships with God and with my friends. Coming home was always bittersweet, but I felt refreshed and encouraged and looked forward to church and school. At secondary school, I usually only mentioned my faith in passing to friends. I was very reluctant, therefore, to be involved in the Christian Union, but my friends managed to persuade me to come. I wasn't always a regular attendee, but in sixth form, I realised the importance of meeting with Christians in a school setting. Coming to see you in Rara every week gave me a sense of community and places to ask questions and deepen my faith. I felt God's change in my heart come about in the summer of 2019 after my GCSEs. I went to my first international youth week at Caithamry, where I met some amazing people and strengthened existing friendships. The highlight was the Thursday evening service. After an eye-opening and honest testimony, there was some time set apart for people to commit fully to God and find freedom in him. I asked God to speak to me, not really expecting an answer, and give me courage, strength, and confidence. I then felt like an invisible weight had been lifted from me and knew that God was with me. Many of us were crying out of pure joy and hope, and after lots of tearful hugs, we gathered and prayed for each other. There was a real sense of fellowship, and I discovered what it's truly like to be vulnerable in Christ and to fully surrender my heart to him. Although there was still fear and questions, I trusted God's plan for me. That summer, I also took part in communion for the first time. I remember messaging my friend, excited and relieved, as it was something I'd wanted to do for a while, but had waited until I was completely ready. As a Christian, I now know that there is so much more to life than living in fear, and that God wants us to feel true joy. He shouts us in his hands and walks us through the hard times we face. I've also learnt that no amount of earthly praise or criticism can overpower his unconditional love for us, because the God who made the universe chose to create you and me. In a world obsessed with social media and perfection, I know that God's love for me is enough, and I take every day as it comes. This pandemic has certainly challenged my faith. When my granddad passed away, although lockdown had separated us from family and friends, I knew I wasn't separated from God. I could lay all my worries and grief in his mighty hands and find comfort in him. 2 Samuel chapter 22 verses 2 and 3 encouraged me during this time. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. Listening to worship music also brought me peace in those anxious and uncertain times and reminded me that I needed to fix my eyes on Jesus. I sometimes found it tempting to skip the online church services during lockdown, so returning to the building in September was really refreshing. However, when it opened again during the third lockdown, I experienced a lull in my faith and church attendance. I'd found it hard to go back to online church, but I had enjoyed plenty of lines on Sundays and just generally lacked motivation. After taking communion again in the Good Friday service, I knew I wanted to get back on track with my faith. In going to church more regularly, And spending more time with God, I rediscovered the joy of Christian fellowship and found it easier to cope with my A-levels. This next step in my Christian journey is an outward display of the changes God has made in my heart. It is a sign that I am dead to sin but alive in Christ. I know that a life following him won't be without trials, but will bring greater joy and fulfilment than any earthly pleasure. Hopefully I'll be studying history and Spanish at Lancaster from September, so it would be great for you to pray for me as I prepare for results day. And pray that I will have courage in sharing the news of the gospel with people at university and that I will find a good church in Lancaster, wherever I end up, and a group of Christian friends with whom I can share uni life with.
you, Elizabeth, for sharing. Um, it's also been a real joy to get to know you over this last year through Rara as well, Sophie. Um, but I've got a verse for, uh, for you as well. Um, this is from Deuteronomy chapter 31, um, verse 8. And it says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So I'm going to pray for Elizabeth now. Heavenly Father, what a truth that is to be reminded of today. We thank you that you go before us in any situation we face that you will never leave us, never forsake us. I thank you that you brought Elizabeth here to this place and for how you've worked in her life to bring her to the point to actually to publicly share her love for you. May you continue to help her grow in that relationship with you that she may love you more year on year. I pray ahead of her A-level results coming out that you would help her trust you in the outcome of those and know that you are a faithful and good God no matter the outcome. I pray that as she prepares to go to Lancaster or wherever that may be um, to study Spanish and history, that she may know this truth that you go with her. May she be able to find um, and settle into a good church where your word is preached faithfully and where she can grow in her love for you. Put others around her, um, other Christians around her, that she can build good relationships with and be accountable with, to encourage, to challenge one another and to point each other to you. Give her courage to go into uni with a real conviction to share the good news of Jesus that she knows and loves um, and that she finds that real joy in. Um, Give her those opportunities right from the get-go to share that faith. And may the joy of the gospel radiate from her, that when people see her, that they see Jesus. May she not be afraid or discouraged about those maybe setbacks or opposition that she may face, but to know your incredible love and your good plans for her. I thank you that everything is for your glory in that. Thank you that you will never leave her, you will never forsake her. In your precious name we pray these things. Amen. Um, Cal's now going to come up to share his testimony. I do apologise for the state of my voice. I've just come back from a week on camp leading, so please do bear with me. Um, I just want to share with you three kind of key moments in my life, in my relationship with Jesus and in my faith, which has brought me to to here this evening. Um, So I had the great blessing of being brought up in a Christian home, um, in a home where my dad worked for a church and faith was really central to me growing up. Um, I remember uh, knowing from a very early age that God was real and that he was good and that he loved me and that he cared for me. Uh, And from a very early age, I remember I must have been five or six, I remember praying, I can remember it vividly, praying to God maybe for the first time and trusting in him and trusting and knowing that he was good. Um, And that was me for the ages up until about 12 or 13. Uh, I knew God was good. I went to church. I really enjoyed church. I had some good friends there. But mainly I enjoyed going to church to sing some songs, to meet up with my friends, and then to kick a football about with them after the service. Um, But as soon as it came to looking at the Bible, to reading anything, uh, I wasn't particularly interested. I didn't really engage. And it wasn't until I was a little bit later on in my teenage years, I was uh, 13 or 14, um, I went to a Christians in Sport camp, um, which many of you know I've been involved in now for a long time. Um, And I went there, and uh, I can remember vividly on the Thursday evening of that camp, we just had an evening meeting where uh, we looked at the cross, we looked at Jesus dying and, and what that really meant. Um, and I remember coming back from that, sitting down in a little room with seven or eight other boys my age and our leaders, uh, and a bit like Rose, just bursting into tears. I'd realised for the first time that Jesus had gone through that ordeal on the cross. He was willing to die, not just because some people didn't like him, but because he loved me. That he was willing to die to save me. He was willing to go through all of that so that I could be in a relationship with God. And that was the first time that really hit home, that actually being a Christian meant something personal and trusting in God. Uh, And so for many years after that, as I grew up as a teenager, that was the kind of model of my faith. Uh, I would go to these camps in the summer. I'd have one-off events where I'd be reminded of just how incredible Jesus was. But then in the midst of that, I would find it really difficult. I wouldn't have much input. Uh, into my Christian life. Church was really hard. I really didn't enjoy it. I felt like I was quite different from the other people there who were my age. Uh, And so engaging in that was really hard. Uh, Spending time with my friends, playing sports, they were my priorities. And Jesus was something that I knew, I trusted in, knew I got my ticket to heaven 
in some ways, and so the rest of my life was my own. Uh, and it wasn't until I'd left school, um, I moved down here to do six months uh, with Christians in Sport in a gap year training program. Uh, the main reason I thought I was coming down was to find a wife, and that worked out pretty well. That seems to go well, but little did I know I would discover something so much greater than that. Um, on one of our first weeks, we spent time looking at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. And I want to just read that for you and then show you how that stuck out to me. So Ephesians 2, uh, verses 1 to 5. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. As we were looking through these verses, it just hit to me that trusting in Jesus means that we have been made alive. It's not just a ticket to heaven. It's not just something that's going to happen in the future. Actually, trusting and living for Jesus is something I can do each and every day. And it's a much, much better way than living for myself. And so from that moment on, I really tried my hardest to live for Jesus in every way that I can, to make him known with my friends, with my teammates. It doesn't always go to plan, but very often it goes badly. But I just keep getting brought back to these verses. God, who is great in mercy, is rich in love. He made us alive. And now I can live that new life. New life that shapes the way I speak. New life that shapes the relationships I'm in. New life that shapes everything. Living for Jesus is for each and every day and each and every moment. And so what I've loved as being here at LCBC for the past years, being able to put that into practice really practically. I've felt a real call since that day to be involved in ministry in some sense. It's such a joy to be able to spend each and every day serving the church, serving you, and in that growing and developing my love and my understanding of this. So I want to say a huge thank you to you, my church family, for allowing me to be here, for encouraging me, for challenging me. Um, and I pray, I'd love you to keep praying, and that would be the case for me as I grow and learn this more and more and let this affect my heart each and every day. So thank you so much to you as well. Uh, thanks, Callum. Uh, let me share a verse for you that speaks into some of that same theme from Ephesians 2. I'm glad I didn't pick a verse from that because I thought you might go there. But here's one from Titus uh, chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. But when the kindness and love of God, our Saviour, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Let me pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you for your kindness and for your love. But Lord, we thank you that they're not just distant things that we can't experience, but Lord, In your son, Jesus Christ, they appeared. They appeared in flesh. They walked this earth. They served people. (laughs) They healed people. They spoke words of love and kindness and then went to the cross to show the ultimate love. For us, for Callum. Lord, thank you that in the cross we see that we can't do anything to save ourselves. It should be us nailed to the cross. The punishment for our sin deserves death. But yet we have a great substitute. One who takes our place. One who lived a perfect life where we cannot. And gave us mercy. Lord, thank you that that was revealed to Callum through his family. At a young age, thank you for his mom and dad. And their influence pointing him to Jesus. Thank you for organization and camps like Christians and Sport and their Sports Plus camps. And again, men and women leaders that love young people and want them to see him too. So thank you that Cal was able to be part of those and they were used by you to bring him to Christ. Thank you for your word and passages like Ephesians 2 and how they reveal our need of Jesus, but also the way that Jesus saves us because of his mercy and grace. 
And Lord, we pray that this year that Callum's just had as part of our church family serving here, but also as he looks ahead and continues to be part of our church family, but also serving in various ministries of the church, that you continue to grow a love in him of Jesus. Lord, that he'd love Jesus more than anyone or anything in this world. And Lord, because of that love, he'd have a love for the world around him, for lost people who need that saviour too. Please use him to grow your kingdom here locally, at his sports team over in Marlow and Bicester. Lord, please use him, we pray. Thank you so much for him. Thank you for his friendship with me. And Lord, please bless him, bless Tash as well, and their marriage. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. It's a shame. No, cheers, Cal, yeah. There you go. It's a shame that we can't sing together, but it is nice to be sung to, isn't it? To be sung to words of truth. So Erin and Rothwell's gonna come and she's going to sing to us a song that Callum chose for us this evening. It's called Christ, our hope in life and death. And as you listen to the words, but please do find as many reasons as you can, as the chorus says, to, to sing hallelujah. So please listen to the truth of the song and enjoy being sung these words of truth. Thanks, Eric. So this section of uh, Paul's letter to the church in Rome is headed, Dead to Sin, Alive in Christ. Romans 6, verses 1 to 13. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body, ruled by sin, might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Thanks, Martin. Uh, well, welcome, everyone. Uh, let me uh, just give a word, a quick, a quick word of prayer before we before we start. Let's pray together. Father God, we pray that you would speak to us tonight through your word, by your spirit, that you would speak to each one of us where we are. And we pray that you would just show yourself to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Baptism. What difference does it make? What difference will it make to the lives of Elizabeth, Sophie, Cal, and Roz? What difference does it make to the life of any Christian? Because there's nothing special about the pool. 
or the water for that matter. It's not holy water, it's just water from the tap. And the pool isn't anything special, nor are the clothes that we wear to be baptized. They're just normal clothes, not anything extraordinary. And so the question is, if baptism, if the physical act of baptism doesn't change anything, then what difference does it make? What difference will it make to our lives? Well, picking up from the Bible passage that was just read to us there, we'll see that baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality. A reality that has already happened in our lives as Christians. And this is the reality that the old self has died and the new self has been made alive. Because baptism in itself is a picture that preaches. It preaches that as a Christian you should now count yourself dead to sin, but alive to Jesus Christ. And this truth comes to us from that passage from chapter 6 of the letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome in the first century AD. And in the previous chapter, in chapter 5, Paul's speaking about a problem of sin. How sin entered the world through one man, Adam. And as we're all in Adam, we all experience both sin and death. And even more interestingly, even though the law of Moses, that is the Ten Commandments, hadn't been given at that time, Adam sinned because he knew what to do. He knew what was right. And yet... He didn't do it. Paul says that when the Ten Commandments came, they didn't actually help us, but they actually highlighted the problem. They highlighted our sin even more. Because as you go through the Ten Commandments, it really it shines a bright spotlight in our faces. The bright light of God's perfect holiness and our sinfulness. The spotlight that we don't love God above everything else. That is the first commandment. That we haven't told the truth in every situation in our lives. And therefore we're we're guilty. Guilty of lying. We probably have all stole something at some point in our lives. Even something small. Making us guilty of theft. And we've probably at some point in our lives used the Lord's name in vain. Making us guilty of blasphemy. And so the Ten Commandments really highlights our sin. Yet the grace of God, that is God's unmerited favor to us, well, it far outweighs any and all of our sin. Because as Paul says there, that where sin increased, grace increased even more. That even as our sins reach the hills, God's grace reaches the heavens. And therefore the question which comes out of Romans 6 is, well, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? The question is really, is grace like like the mafia boss who goes to church before he goes to kill someone just to ask forgiveness before he does it? Is that how grace works? That even though we know we're going to sin, even though we know we're going to do something wrong, well, God is gracious and he'll forgive us because grace increases, right? By no means, says Paul. By no means. Because he says we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Because as he says in in verse 3, baptism is a sign that we have been baptized into the death of Christ. Baptism is a picture that just as Jesus was put to death on the cross, that so we too, in a sense, have been buried with him through baptism into death. In order that, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Because when we remember our baptism, we remember what happened to us. 
And when we fully understand that and truly believe that in our hearts, well, that will change how we live. It will transform our life. Because, as he says in verse 8, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him as well. Because baptism preaches the life-transforming message that the old has gone and the new has come. Our old self, with its sinful, selfish, shameful ways, that has been put to death. And the new self in Christ has been raised to life. Because the old has gone and the new is here. We're no longer a slave. We're no longer a slave to the way that we used to live, but have been made new in Christ. But maybe you perhaps have some questions about baptism. Firstly, baptism itself, as we, as we heard earlier, doesn't save you from your sin. The water itself doesn't save you. But faith in Jesus saves you. Because baptism is that outward sign of that inward reality that has happened through faith in Jesus. Secondly, there's no divide between the haves and the have-nots. If you are a Christian tonight, and if you remember anything from this, if you are a Christian tonight, you are someone who has died to sin and has been raised to newness of life. It has already happened to you. Because Paul is not speaking about us dying for sins. Jesus died for our sins. Yet perhaps as a Christian tonight you're thinking... You know, I would love to get baptized, but I've still got things that I need to sort out in my life. Maybe you think of your life like someone who moves into a house. When they redecorate, they redecorate the living room, the kitchen, the bathrooms, maybe the bedrooms. But there's probably at least one room that they leave. One room that you cannot enter. That spare room. That you cannot pass room. Where maybe there's more than one room in your house like that. Where visitors come and you just chuck everything in that room. So that the house appears clean. But only one room is a, is a mess. And in the same way when it comes to baptism you think. You know I need to sort out my life. And I still have rooms in my life that are a mess. There are still too many sins in my life to be sorted before I get baptized. Because ultimately you think, you know, I'm not really worthy to be baptized. Well, what would Jesus say to you tonight? He'd say, well, who died for your sins? You or me? Jesus died for our sins. Therefore, believe And be baptized. Because if you left here tonight as a Christian and you said to me afterwards, thank you for the message, Colin. Uh, Now I'm going to really try my best to not sin this week. My heart would just sink. Because it is not something that we do. Baptism is not something that we do. This is something that Christ has done for us. He has paid for our sins in full, that we would live a new life. This has already happened to us, if we're a Christian. This has already happened to us. We have been united by faith through the Holy Spirit with Jesus Christ in his death and have been raised to new life with him. And this is who you are now. You have been made new. You no longer belong to the old ways, the old kingdom, the kingdom of death, the kingdom of darkness. No, you belong to the kingdom of God. Because as Christ died on the cross, he died once for all. But the life he now lives, he lives for God. And therefore, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Cal, Roz, Elizabeth, Sophie, count yourself dead to sin, 
but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And friends, and all those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, remember your baptism. Remember the day you trusted in Jesus Christ, the day our old self died and our new self was made alive. You know, this kind of reminds me of of an old episode when as a young Christian I went to catch up with friends in this dark, dingy dive of a pub in Glasgow. You know the type where you can't see out the windows, the windows have bars on them, and when you walk in, everyone turns around and looks at you. Really friendly place. I remember going into the same place many years before, when I wasn't a Christian, and acted in some truly drunken and disgraceful ways. And the same people who were there that night, many years ago, were also there the night as we sat around the table together. I remember sitting there now as a Christian and a girl there in the group turned to me and said, do you remember what you did a couple of years ago here? And I said, yeah, I do. I remember it well. But that man is dead. That man is dead because the old has gone and the new has come. Because baptism is a picture that preaches. It preaches of God's amazing grace to sinners like us. It's like coming to God in all our sins and walking through the rain and being soaked in his all-consuming love. It's like turning on the shower in the morning, aware of our shortcomings, aware of our sin and our shame, and stepping in to be drenched afresh with his forgiveness and his love. It's like being fully immersed in the waters of our sin and then being put to death, that they are put to death in the grave as we are raised to life in Jesus Christ. As we are so overwhelmed by the riches of his grace and the depth of his amazing love to us. As a pastor, Richard Sibbs, once said, there is more mercy in Christ than sin in us. As Christ's heart just hits us with wave after wave of his all-consuming love, that we would just surrender our lives to him. That we would live for him wholeheartedly. Therefore, we don't offer ourselves to sin, but we offer ourselves to God. We offer ourselves to him. And we live for him. We live for Jesus now. Because we've been set free from the power of sin that we can live lives that please him. But maybe you're here this evening and you're not a Christian. And maybe you think, well, this seems like a lot. This baptism, it just seems like a lot because... At the end of the day, nobody's perfect. None of us are perfect. And why don't we just say live and let live? As long as it just makes you happy. Because so long as you're happy, that's what really matters, right? Well, let me ask you the question, if that's you this evening. Are you happy? What do you think it would take to give you happiness? To make you happy? As you go through life, you might think, you know, once I have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, then then I'll be happy. Or once I get the grades that I need to get to the uni that I want to be at, then I'll be happy. Or perhaps maybe if I get the right job, then I'll be happy. Or maybe if I get married to the right person, that will make me happy. Or maybe if I have a child, or maybe if I have two children or three children, that will make me happy. Maybe if I move place, that will make me happy. And then as I grow older still, perhaps if I have financial stability and security, that will make me happy. Maybe if I get a pension pot and have that real security at the end, that will make me happy. And does it? Does it make you happy? 
question is always, what do we need to do? What do we need to add to be happy, to gain the peace that our hearts so long for? What do I need to add in my life to gain the satisfaction that I so earnestly desire? What does Jesus say to you tonight? He says, you don't need a bolt on. You need a baptism. You need to come to him tonight. Come to Jesus tonight. Come to him. Confess that you have sinned against him. Confess that you deserve punishment and death for your sin. But if you trust in him, he has paid for it all. He has paid for it all being baptized into your death and raised to new life. In Jesus, you can find the forgiveness and peace and experience the love of God as you come to know him intimately. And so won't you come to him tonight? Won't you trust in him? I'm going to leave just a moment of quiet for you to think about that. And then I'm going to close in prayer. If any of you have any questions, if you'd like to give your life to Christ tonight, please speak to me, Nathan, or Neil afterwards. We'd love to pray with you and talk to you. So let me leave a moment of quiet, and then we'll pray. Father God, we thank you for the truth that uh, we have been made new that the old is dead and the new has come and that we are alive in Jesus Christ and we pray Lord if there is anyone here this evening who does not know that truth who does not know the forgiveness of sins in our Lord Jesus that they would come to him that they would confess their sin and receive the forgiveness of sins that he gives that they would know his love And we pray, Lord, for your work by your spirit to draw us to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. You can't see exactly from where you're sitting. Hopefully you get a good view on the screen. So we're going to call, first of all, Ros Dodwell to come forward to be baptised. Let me just ask you the questions again. Do you trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? And do you promise to follow him as your Lord? I do. And gladly we baptise you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I was just going to hang around to watch the others be baptised as well. But uh, let's uh, invite um, Sophie to come as well. Sophie, let me ask you the same question. Do you trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? And do you promise to follow him as your Lord? I do. I'm glad to be baptised in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth, do you trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? And do you promise to follow him as your Lord? I do. And gladly we baptise you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And last but not least, Cal. Feeling strong. <laughs> Feeling strong, yeah. Good to have got Nathan here as well. 
Carol, do you trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? And do you promise to follow him as your Lord? I do. Then gladly we baptise you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Well, our final song is one that's uh, been chosen by um, Elizabeth, and it's very appropriate. It's yet not Christ, yet not I, but Christ in me. Let's uh, stand to sing our final song. <laughs>